watching KCMI-TV. Well, welcome tonight. Uh, I think that the word of the Lord will give you some strength. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about something that God's just been dealing with me in my spirit. I, I try to really be sensitive to uh, the dimension as, that we as believers are in and trying to understand the, the climate uh, spiritually of what we're dealing with. And so uh, a couple of days ago, I began to just hear the Lord speak to me. He said, the devil is trying to intimidate the believers in the earth right now. And uh, I wanted to give you <clears throat> some, a definition of intimidation. Uh, it means to, to make timid. Uh, it means to make people fearful, uh, to frighten them, to make them change their course just by the threats that come from the enemy. Uh, it makes someone to lose their courage and their self-confidence. And so I want to I want to talk to you a little while tonight about the spirit of intimidation because uh, there are a lot of you right now that are under the attack of the enemy, and uh, the enemy always uses threats to intimidate. Uh, there's a verse that says, magnify the Lord, oh, magnify the Lord, and bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And, and I've thought about this. I thought, really, how can you to magnify God? Because you cannot make God any bigger than he is. Uh, us talking about God does not make God increase in his power or his authority. And I think this verse literally, literally is talking to us about that we're not to magnify God in the natural in that sense, but we need to make God bigger in our lives. We need to magnify him in our thinking because if you don't magnify God, then the devil's going to get you to magnify him. And this is the problem with so many believers. They love the Lord, but if you really get to the crux of the matter, they think the devil's stronger than God. And as soon as something happens, they cave in and they just start talking about what the devil's going to do and his power, and they forget that God is bigger than the devil. In fact, God made the devil. And uh, years ago, when I was in grade school, I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. Uh, we went to a new school, and um, there was a, a boy there. He was bigger than almost everybody in the class, and I don't know, maybe he was shaving by that time he was 10, but he seemed very mature. And for some reason, he took an instant dislike to me. And then, of course, uh, I was small, uh, smaller than uh, a lot of the boys in the class. And, and so he, he would single me out, and he would tell me Christmas, he said, when I catch you, uh, I'm going I'm to whip you. I'm going to beat you up. And it literally terrified me to the point that uh, when the bell would ring at the end of the day, I was the first one out of that school, and I was making a beeline for home, running as fast as I could get to the house because I was afraid that he was going to beat me up. And his threats, his intimidation really uh, it just controlled my life. I lived in fear. I was terrified this guy was going to beat me up. And one day, <clears throat> um, 
I was in school and come around a corner and there he was and there wasn't anywhere to go. Um, there wasn't any way out and he started that. And I stood there and I thought, you know, I can't run. So I told him, I said, you know what, I'm tired of this. I said, you go ahead and do what you gotta do. I said, I'll fight you if I have to, but I said, I ain't running. And the oddest thing happened. He backed down. And over time, uh, he became one of my best friends in school. And I learned something that day, that the enemy many times knows that he can't overtake you, can't overpower you. So he will try to intimidate you to keep you from coming after him. And this is why the Bible teaches us that we cannot just be defensive people. You gotta be offensive. You have to go after the devil. And right now there's, there's this mentality in so many believers' lives is, I just want peace. And you know, there, there's a Bible, I think Jesus was speaking at the Mount of Beatitudes. He did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes you gotta make war to make peace. You've got to defeat your enemy. And so <clears throat> I wanted to read a familiar portion of scripture. Uh, we're all familiar with this, and this is in <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 5. And um, I hope I have it written down right here. <clears throat> Okay, I've got it. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Um, first of all, the Bible does not say that the devil is a roaring lion. It says he wants to portray himself as a roaring lion. I've thought about that. Lord, why would he pick out of all of the animals in the kingdom that he would pick himself as a roaring lion? I'll tell you why. Because he's counterfeiting Jesus. Because the Bible says Jesus is the lion of Judah. And so the enemy is trying to compare himself to Jesus Christ. And he's trying to portray himself because we know this. The Bible declares that the Father gave all power in heaven and earth unto Jesus Christ. And so the devil knows who Jesus is. And so he's in the earth and he's walking around and he is looking for weak people. He's looking for wounded people. He's looking for people that he can devour. And so this scripture starts off here and he says, be sober. And this is what the word sober means in the original. It means you need to be calm and you need to be collected in your spirit. That when the devil shows up and he starts roaring, first thing that happens to a lot of people is they just fall apart. The first sound and they've lost their courage. The Lord said, no. He said, you need to know that the devil's walking around. He's disguised himself as a roaring lion because he wants to devour you. He said, but when you see him and you hear that roar, he said, stay calm. 
How do you do that? You allow the Holy Ghost inside of you to rise up. Uh, oh my, so many times uh, you and I have gotten a phone call, opened up a letter, somebody came by the house and something was told us or we were made aware of something that literally just sent a shockwave through us. And it could be something that seems so devastating. It's in that moment, hallelujah, that you have got to let your spirit stay calm. It didn't say keep your soul calm because your soul is your will, your mind, and your emotions. And if you know anything about scripture, when you study the scripture, in the original language, many words have a gender attached to them. The word soul has the feminine gender attached to it. The word spirit has the masculine gender attached to it. And so God has always set up, God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the church, man is the head of the woman, He's has that, he has that chain of command. And so the feminine always yields to the authority of the masculine. So in this setting, any time the woman rules the house instead of the man, there's chaos. And what happens is there are gaps that open that the enemy can come in and begin to cause all kinds of problems. Whenever your soul, which is feminine, your will, your mind, and your emotions rule your spirit man, then you're not going to have peace. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, that roaring line, he said, you need to keep your spirit calm because if your spirit is calm, then your emotions are going to be calm and you will not be intimidated by the devil. So that's the first word he says here in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be sober and then be vigilant. The word vigilant here, one of its meanings is you need to pay strict attention to. You need to not just hear the words, but you need to hear the intent. You need to be able to discern. That's why the Bible says you and I should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. I pray this a lot. God, let me see what the devil has planned for me before he can ever implement it so I can head it off. That God will show you things in the spirit before they ever happen because you are paying strict attention to the kingdom. And, and there's a key verse here. If you back up two verses, verse six, it says, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God. If you want to be triumphant over the devil, first of all is you got to humble yourself. And when, how do you say we humble yourself? Well, the next verse just simply describes it. He says, you humble yourself by casting all your cares upon God. Most of America is so distraught right now. They are so overwhelmed. And the reason being is because they are carrying burdens and cares that God never designed you to carry. You can't carry some burdens. When I lost my 
my son here. In fact, uh, uh, tomorrow will be his birthday. I couldn't carry that. I've had people say, Pastor, you're so strong, and how did, how did you do it? I'll tell you how I did it. I refuse. Do I miss him? Yes. Are there days that, that we grieve over him? Yes. But I refuse to let a demon of torment and unnatural sorrow get on me. So I went to prayer. My family went to prayer, and we cast that onto the Lord. And then when we did that, then God takes your spirit man and he rules your emotions, the weeping, the sorrow, the crying, the torment that come out of emotions don't get you because God is taking care of you. So um, I want to give you some things about the devil. Number one, the devil is not God. Somehow, you know, we think of uh, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and, you know, they're divine, they're all powerful. But for some reason, a lot of Christians have the devil on the same plane. He's not divine. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscious. He's not all-powerful. He is not God. And so I, I want to read a verse to you. Maybe some of you have never seen this, but this is in um, Isaiah 14 and 16. And actually, this is a prophecy dealing with, uh, with Tyre. And uh, when you read, you have to understand that the prophet goes in and out on who's he's, who he is addressing. And in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 16, it's, He's specifically now speaking to Satan. He says, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. Uh, you know how sometimes you see something and you have to take another look and you almost squint your eyes. You're, you're looking because you're, you're thinking, Am I really seeing what I'm seeing? Because it's, it's unusual. This is what the writer is saying. He said, they're going to narrowly look upon the devil and they're going to consider him and then they're going to say, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed cities and opened not the house of his prisoners? There's going to come a day when you and I are going to see the devil, we're going to see Satan physically when we go uh, into heaven. And the Bible here calls him a man. In fact, if you go back to the original, it keeps going back through that uh, as a man. And it says that we're going to look at him because most believers have this concept of what the devil looks like, that he's this huge entity and all-powerful, he's everywhere, and he's uncontrollable, and, and uh, he has no enemies. That's not true. That is an intimidating spirit that the enemy is trying to put on you. And so there's going to come a day that you and I are going to see the devil. And it says that most people are going to look at me and go, nah, that can't be the devil. I thought he was this huge creation, this huge power. 
And here he is, this small entity, and, and we're going to say, how did he shake kingdoms? How did he have prisons that the doors wouldn't open and let people out? I'll tell you how. Because we let him intimidate us. We let him march into our houses. We let him march into our minds. We let him march into our soul, our will, our mind, our emotions. And he just starts roaring all these threats. Remember, uh, I think it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. Um, I think that I, I, I wrote something down here. It's in uh, verse 45. Nowhere in this story does it ever say that Goliath touched David. Nowhere. He was prepared for battle. He had on massive armor that was just unbelievable. Uh, most historians believe that Goliath was at least 10 feet tall. And he wasn't some little skinny dude. He probably weighed at least 1,000 pounds. And so he is grotesque because he is a mixture of fallen angels and natural women. And so the Nephilim, they come back. The Anakims, they were giants. And so here he is. And here comes David. He's just a teenage lad. He has no armor. He has told Saul, I don't want your armor. All he has is a little leather bag with some stones in it and a sling. The point is, is that the weapons that Goliath was trying to use were weapons of intimidation. Because you can go back and read this story. He says, um, he says I'm going I'm to tear your flesh from your bones. Uh, I'm going to feed you to the fowls of the air. He said, you're just nothing. You're just a little lad. And he's throwing all these threats out. David was not intimidated. Why was David not intimidated? Because he had lived in the presence of the Lord and he knew what God looked like. He'd already killed a lion and a bear. And so he was relying on his past experiences to defeat what was prophetically being uttered by a liar. And in fact, if you look up the word giant in this particular story, one of its words means bully. That's what bullies do. They, bullies don't want to fight. They don't want to grapple. They don't want to get bloody. They just want to intimidate by words and fear. That's what the Goliath was doing. He was, in, he was bullying David. And David just looked at him and said, I'll tell you what. He said, you're an uncircumcised Philistine, which means you're not in covenant with God. And he said, you know all that stuff you said you're going to do to me? He said, I'm going to do it to you. Some of you need to get a revelation of who your God is and stop letting the enemy intimidate you. And the next time the devil says, you know, your kids aren't going to be saved and they're going to die on drugs and, and they're never going to be anything. How about you prophesying to the enemy? No, my kids are going to get saved. They're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to be preachers. They're going to be businessmen. They're going to be good wives, good husbands. They're going to have great children intimidate the enemy. That's what I do in prayer a lot of times. I go after the devil with everything that's in me. Last Sunday, I felt such a spirit of, of authority on me as I spoke against the powers of darkness. When, when you go back to the scriptures and God has promised Canaan land to the Israelites, 
He told me, he said, this land's like no other land. It's everything you've dreamed about. It's everything the wilderness was not. And he said, that's what I'm giving to you. And he said, and by the way, he said, there's giants in the land, but he said, if you go in there, I'll go before you and I'll drive them out. So God has this prophetic promise. So they go in and uh, they walk into the land. I think I have it here. And um, they made this statement. They said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are. Um, and in verse 33, they said, and there we saw the giants, the bullies, the son of Anak, which come of giants. And this is their statement. They said, when we saw the giants with their physical eyes, they're seeing these huge men. They begin to compare themselves in the natural to what these giants look like in the natural. That's your first mistake is whenever you are battling the devil and he uses natural weapons. This is why the Bible says, for our weapons are not carnal or natural weapons, but they are mighty through God. Some of you need to change the weapons that you're using. So they come in and they see these giants and then they look at themselves and this is what they said. We were in our it didn't say we were in their sight as grasshoppers. It said we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we then in their sight. The devil will always see you like you see you. And if you let the devil see a timid, weak, fearful, no courage, Christian, then he's coming after you because you're not you're easy prey. He is going to devour you. And I went back through the scriptures and probably at least 15 times you will find where the Bible would tell the children of Israel, he would say, be strong and have good courage. The enemy is trying to rob you of your courage. Because, oh my God, you get, a, you get some people that got courage, that understand the devil has limitations, and that he has no power. That's another thing you got to remember. We keep thinking, well, the devil can just do whatever he wants. Everything the devil does is illegal because Jesus took back the authority that the devil legally had for 4,000 years, he took it back at Calvary. He stripped the enemy of his authority. Jesus took it back. And when he left, he said, I give it to you. So you and I have the authority the devil used to have. Yet when we come into engagement with the enemy, it seems like we feel like, well, the devil has the authority and I don't have any. No, that's, we're going back to Old Testament then. The blood, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has endued you. That's why the Bible says, Jesus looking at his disciples, he said, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. You know what that word literally means? 
to be clothed with. God has, when you became a new creation, you know what Jesus did? He took, he took clothes, Taylor made them out of the material of authority. Oh my God, he wrapped you up, he dressed you in the authority the devil used to have so that now when the intimidator comes to begin to try to steal from you, and I'm gonna end with this. Whenever you let the devil intimidate you, and this goes back to this story of the Israelites and their inheritance. You know what happened to the Israelites? Intimidation kept them from their rightful inheritance. And instead of living the rest of their lives in a land that flowed with milk and honey that was rich, intimidation sent them back to the wilderness. If you let the devil intimidate you with threats, that's all he's got is threats, and strip you of your courage and fill you with fright and fear, what will happen is you will never ever possess what God has already said your name is on. So at the end of the day, you say, how do I survive intimidation? The Bible says it. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil. And he will run from you. I pray this has been a, a word that gets in your spirit. Uh, live this way. You'll be more happy. You'll be more triumphant. God bless you. I'll see you next week. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.